following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Well, this morning we're finishing our series in 1 Peter. We've worked our way right through this book of the Bible. And most of the series has ended up being in lockdown, isn't it? Just the way that it's ended up. But as we come to the final message, the final part of chapter 5 this morning, I want to bring us back again to the main theme that we've been looking at uh, through the series, the theme of exiles. And in fact, Peter brings us back to this main theme right at the close of the letter. Uh, in the words that he uses here, I don't know whether you picked this up, but in his, in his final sign-off section of the letter, he says in verse 13, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings. And the question is, why does Peter use the word Babylon here? What's the significance of that? Peter wasn't anywhere near Babylon when he's writing this letter. Babylon was a long way away. So why is Peter using Babylon? Well, again, think back to the Old Testament story. Babylon was the place where the Israelites were exiled to. Uh, when the Babylonians conquered Jerusalem, they exiled the population of Judah off to the city of Babylon for 70 years. They lived there as strangers in a foreign land. And so now Peter is using this term Babylon and probably he's using it as a, as a kind of a code name for the city of Rome. Uh, that's probably where Peter was writing from. And so he uses Babylon as kind of a cryptic uh, name for the city of Rome. And in using the term Babylon, of course, he is invoking all of this imagery of the exile. And he's basically saying, I'm living here in Rome as a spiritual exile. Uh, the church that's here with me, we are spiritual exiles. Uh, we're, we're living in this place but this is not our true home. Where we belong, our true home is, is the kingdom of heaven. And so, in a sense, as, as we read this, we could think of ourselves as living in Babylon. It, it means the same as what it would have meant for Peter. That we are residents here within this city of Auckland and within this culture, within a culture that is often hostile to the Christian faith, just as Babylon was to the Israelites, just as Rome was to Christians. We live within a culture today, within Western culture, that can often be antagonistic towards the Christian faith, pushing the faith out of the public square, marginalizing the Christian voice. And yet, we can say with confidence, this is not our true home. This is not where we belong. We, we are residents here. We live in the city of Auckland. And yet, our citizenship ultimately is in the city of God, uh, the city whose builder and architect is God, as Scripture says. So we're, we're looking towards that heavenly city, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's where we belong. That's our true home. And so what this book of First Peter has caused us to wrestle with is how do we live in both of these worlds at the same time? How do we live well within the city that we're living in? And how do we live well within the kingdom of God at the same time? And you will have noticed uh, different parts of the book of First Peter uh, speaking into both of those spaces. So at times, Peter has talked about the need to be set apart or to be holy, to be a contrast community, in a sense, uh, within the world that we're living in. 
And then at other times, Peter has talked about doing good and the importance of seeking the good of the city and seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city, uh, echoing the words of Jeremiah. So working towards the common good. And so there is, in a sense, this, this tension between living well within the world and yet being a set-apart people who truly belong to the kingdom of heaven and live out the way of the kingdom in the midst of, in the midst of this world. And so Peter really has bookended his letter with this theme of exiles. He started off in chapter 1 addressing his readers as exiles. He set that motif up right at the beginning. And then now at the end, he draws on this theme of Babylon to remind us we're all living in Babylon. We're all, in a sense, doing time in Babylon. And we've got to figure out how to live well here, uh, even while we're longing for home. So as we come to this, this final section in chapter 5, there's, there's various different things that Peter covers in these verses. What I want to do uh, to close out our series this morning is just look at one verse here and focus on one incredible promise in this passage in verse 7. Peter says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That is an amazing promise. It's a very well-known promise in the Bible, probably a verse you've heard many times before. It's really familiar. You might have memorized it. You've probably heard it in Sunday school. It's a really well-known promise in the Bible. But I think it's true that of these passages in Scripture that we tend to know well, uh, we can become quite numb to their meaning and their power uh, because we're so familiar with them, but we become overly familiar with these parts of Scripture. And so I want to just sit with this promise this morning, because, because as I've reflected again on it, it's just struck me as to what a timely promise this is, what a relevant word this is into our world today, uh, into our homes and our lives and our bubbles. So let's unpack this sentence. It's only one sentence, but almost every word here is loaded with meaning. So Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him. That word anxiety, it's translated different ways. Your, your translation may have something different there. Uh, some translations say burdens, cast your burdens. Uh, some translations, cast your cares. I think one set translation says, cast your worries. And the idea is that we're talking about experiences that cause us a sense of inner turmoil, and distress and anguish, things that weigh heavily on our hearts, things that wear us down, uh, that create anxiety and that create tension and difficulty and struggle uh, in our lives. Uh, and you would have to say that at the moment, uh, we, are, we are living in an age of anxiety. Like our, our culture is, is characterized in so many ways by a heightened sense of of anxiety. That's particularly true at the moment as we journey through this COVID pandemic for as many years as this is going to go on for. You just have this sense uh, of anxiety and fear uh, around the world. And, and it's symbolized in some of the obvious things you could point to, people panic buying in the supermarkets. Uh, you see a lot of media, I think, hyping things up at times, a lot of sensationalism. Uh, you could probably even call it fear-mongering, dramatic headlines, dramatic graphics, and I think that just sows into a culture of fear sometimes. Uh, sometimes the anxiety is, is overplayed, but there's also legitimate fears that people carry. There's anxiety around the, the economic repercussions of all this. There's anxiety, I think, sometimes because COVID represents a loss of control in our lives. We're so used to having more control, uh, or at least the illusion of control in our lives, and COVID has sort of removed that in a certain sense. 
sometimes it's just anxiety because we have a loss of being able to see the future very clearly. We can't see many steps ahead of ourselves at the moment, and, and that makes us nervous, that makes us anxious as well. And so we just live with this pervasive sense of, of anxiety and fear uh, among, among many people. Uh, and at a personal level, you can identify with this because we all carry burdens, don't we? I mean, may, maybe related to COVID, may not be, but, but every one of us could name some kind of burden, some kind of anxiety, some kind, something that is causing us a sense of inner stress and, and grief this morning. And, and there's such a huge spectrum of, of experiences. It may be a health issue that you are struggling with or that someone close to you is struggling with and you feel that. You feel that on behalf of a family member uh, or a close friend who's, who's just going through a really difficult time health-wise. It may be a relationship for you that just feels toxic or really difficult and it's under strain and that just eats away at you. It sits with you. It's very difficult. There may be financial strain that you're carrying this morning. It may, may be just the sheer exhaustion of lockdown, just tiredness, weariness. That is a burden. That's a burden that many of you are carrying uh, this morning. It might be your, your, your mental health has taken a hit and just within yourself, mentally and emotionally, you just know you're not in great space at the moment. That creates its own burden. We are all carrying things at a personal level. Uh, we're all weighed down by things and others may not see because we can be really good at hiding them sometimes. But this experience that, that Peter is speaking to, it is universal, isn't it? Uh, whether they are relatively big or relatively small things, we're all carrying burdens and a sense of anxiety about those things uh, at different times. And I think as we, as we come to this verse, one of the things to, to name up front is that it's okay to have those feelings, right? So I think this needs to be said, that it's, it's okay to have times where we really struggle, where we feel like we're in turmoil. That, that, is, that is okay. Sometimes, I don't know, sometimes there's a, there's a caricature of Christianity that if we feel these kinds of feelings or we feel negative emotions for a long time, suddenly it's a sign of weakness uh, as, as a Christian, or some, we're, we're some kind of inferior breed of Christian, as if Christians are supposed to be fairly impervious to those kinds of things, and we're just supposed to take everything, um, you know, as if we're bulletproof Christians, just throw Bible verses at our problems, and then we're going to feel fine. Well, that's not the reality for most of us, is it? Uh, we do carry these things heavily. When stuff happens in life, it hurts, and and these things do have a way of just getting into our heart and, and they and they cause us real angst. And that's normal. That's it's understandable. I think the last thing we want to do is go placing guilt and shame upon ourselves on top of what we're already feeling because we feel guilty about feeling the way we're feeling. That's that's not helpful for us. That's not helpful for anyone. Uh, if if you feel like anxiety is somehow a sub-Christian kind of experience. I think you only need to look at the experience of Jesus. I mean, you think about Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is there praying to his heavenly Father, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And then, and then he's sweating, so his sweat became drops of blood on the ground. Now, I interpret that to mean that Jesus was basically having something like a panic attack in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that, that in itself is an incredible thought, isn't it? When you just sit with that for a minute, that our Savior has had a panic attack. I find that incredibly comforting. 
Maybe you don't, but I find it encouraging to think that my Lord and Savior has experienced a panic attack because he was distressed and overwhelmed with sorrow. Now, because what that reminds me is he can relate to my experience. When I feel anxiety, I know that I have one I can go to who understands and he gets it, not just intellectually, he gets it because he's been there and he's experienced exactly what I experience. So he can have empathy for me. So it's a tremendous encouragement. And all that to say that if if somehow the Bible teaches that Christians shouldn't feel anxious or depressed or have negative emotions, then Jesus didn't live up to that. Jesus didn't live up to that at all because he clearly struggled uh, with some of these things and had that time of anxiety and he felt all of the emotions that we feel as human beings. We can take some comfort from that. It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay to feel the burden of what you're carrying. But here is the difference, I think. And the real distinction that this verse is making is not that as Christians, we're not going to feel these things. It's not that we're not going to feel anxiety. It's that when we do feel these burdens and we feel distressed, we have somewhere we can go with this. More accurately, we have someone that we can take our burdens to. That's the real difference, isn't it? Not that we won't feel burdened, but that we have someone we can take our burdens to. Because if you don't have that person, if you don't have someone who is is stronger and more steady than you are, that you can take your burdens to, then you are just going to have to sit with your fear and sit with your burdens, and then they consume you. That's really the issue. That's when those things just eat us up and we become defined by fear. That's, I think, what you see at the moment culturally is that we're living in a culture where a lot of people have become defined by fear and and that just sows a spirit of fear then among people. They're consumed by it. But that is not the way we are called to respond as Christians. We may have these feelings and, and of course, we are affected by our situation. But as we feel anxious and we feel burdened, we have someone that we can go to, and that someone is, of course, God. And this is what Peter invites us to do, to cast all your anxiety on him. And the word that he uses there is interesting, isn't it? He says, cast your anxiety. The word, it's only used one other time in the New Testament, actually, that word cast, the Greek word. And it's that that story, I don't know whether you, you remember this one, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, And before he did that, the disciples, they took off their cloaks and they cast them on the donkey. They threw them over the donkey so Jesus could sit on the donkey and ride into Jerusalem. That's the same word. And then Peter uses that word uh, to describe the way we can cast our burdens onto Jesus. And so you can kind of picture that image of just like like throwing a cloak over that donkey. Uh, This is what we're invited to do is to take our anxieties, take our struggles and our pain and our troubles and just cast them, throw them over the shoulders of Jesus. Amazing, really, that Jesus himself invites us to to do this. And notice one little word here that's so uh, vital, that Peter says, cast all your anxiety. I want you to catch that. That word all is really critical there. He doesn't just say, well, cast some of your anxiety upon him, as if God can only handle some of it. He doesn't say, Cast all of your respectable anxiety upon God as if he just kind of wants the things that are, that are you know, okay to talk about or whatever. 
Uh, he doesn't, doesn't even say just cast the big things upon God as if God just takes care of the big but not the small. In fact, a lot of the time where we feel burdened, it can be small things. Or at least we could say the small things are the triggers often. You know, we can be triggered by all sorts of things, but, but they, they can trigger deeper fears and anxieties. And we can feel silly or embarrassed about bringing those things to God. And yet that's a lot of the experience that we have. The anxieties can be related to quite little things or triggered by little things. And Peter is just saying, God invites you to bring all of it. Like God, God is willing to take all of your anxiety upon himself and to carry that anxiety upon himself. In fact, he's already carried your anxiety upon himself on the cross. This is what Jesus has done. He's taken the biggest and the smallest of the things that you and I struggle over and and fear, the things that weigh us down. Jesus has already carried those things. He's already taken all of that upon himself. He's carried our sorrows. He's carried out our pain. He's borne that within his, his own body. And so in the present, in this moment, now Jesus turns to you and he says, I've already carried your anxiety on the cross. I've carried your pain there. That was nailed to me on the cross. And so now in the present, I invite you to cast it on me. I invite you to cast it all on me and I will carry it for you now. Just as I carried it then, I will carry it for you now. The foundation of all of this, the reason that Jesus makes us such an extraordinary promise is because of that final phrase that Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I want you just to try and feel the weight of those last four words. He cares for you, just to try and let those sink into your bones for a minute. It is an incredible thought that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the God of Moses and Elijah and the prophets, the God of Jesus, cares for us, the God of all glory, the God of all power, the God who spoke the universe into being. That same God cares for you intimately, deeply, personally passionately. He cares for you. He sees you. He loves you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. He cares for you. It's a wonderful thought. Someone who has helped me understand or appreciate the care, the personal care that God has for us is a writer named Henry Nouwen. And let me read you something that that he wrote in one of my favorite books, The Life of the Beloved. He says this, I hear at my center words that say, I have called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. I have molded you in the depth of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palms of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness. And care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you at every step. Wherever you go, I go with you. And wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own and I know you as my own. You belong to me. 
Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. So that's an incredibly moving description of the way that God cares so passionately for us. He knows every hair on your head. He loves you far more intimately than a parent could ever love their child. That's how deeply God cares about you. And because of that care that he has for you, because of his compassion and concern for you, he says, bring me your burdens. Bring me your sufferings. Bring me your struggles and lay them down and let me carry them for you. And I just want to invite you as, as my church family this morning, individually, whatever burdens you are carrying, to bring them to God and lay them down and cast them upon Him. He invites you to do it. Whatever struggles you are going through, to cast them upon Him. It doesn't mean that by doing that, you are suddenly going to feel emotionally different straight away. Um, that's an unrealistic expectation. The, the negative emotions may, may still be there. Uh, but by inviting God to carry our burdens for us, it transforms the experience of what we're going through. I've, I've talked about this before with the times I've experienced anxiety. And as, I, as I've taken that burden to God, I've brought the burden of anxiety to Him and I've laid it at His feet and I've cast that burden upon Him. And it doesn't mean that the anxious feelings have always gone away. Sometimes they remain. Sometimes they've lifted, but sometimes they haven't. But what I can say is that it transforms the experience of anxiety when you invite Jesus into it. What you're doing is giving him that burden so that you, you're inviting him to share in that experience with you. And remember, he's already experienced the full range of human emotions. He's entered into our humanity. He knows what you're going through from the inside because he's been there and he's experienced it. And so we invite him into it now. And knowing that Jesus is right there with me in the midst of those anxious times, it is transformative. I may still have anxious feelings, but I know that Jesus is there alongside me, that he is walking with me through that valley, and he will walk me out the other side. That is an amazing promise. And that's where the hope and the strength comes from in the midst of, in the midst of those times. So don't expect that as you, as you cast your burdens on God, that suddenly your emotions will be radically transformed straight away. But you have the assurance of knowing that as you bring those burdens to God, you enter into the deep spiritual rest that God provides. That's why Jesus said, cast your burdens. Oh, he said, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the promise. That's the great promise that Jesus gives us. And so I invite you to do that. Just take some time, sometime today, to be alone with God and bring whatever burden you are carrying to the foot of the cross. You could picture yourself there at the foot of the cross and just lay that burden down. And then picture God carrying that burden for you. The Bible says that God is a God who daily bears our burdens. He will carry it. He will walk with you through that. Sometimes we are so slow to do this, aren't we? You know, for whatever reason, we just, we try to do everything else before we bring our burdens to God. We worry about things. We talk to 10 other people. We try to figure everything out. I want to encourage you to make it a natural reflex of your life that as you feel burdened, you feel a heaviness in your soul, then make it a natural setting to bring that to God, lay it down, cast it upon Him, and just trust that He is carrying that burden for you and is walking with you through it. And as we, as we learn to do this, as we learn to walk in, in this promise and experience the truth of this promise, 
it also becomes a really important part of our witness in the world as we learn to cast our burdens onto God. Because in this, in this culture of anxiety that we live in, in this anxious age that we are in, what the world needs to see of the church is a non-anxious presence. Right? The world does not need to see a church that's running around panicking like a headless chicken. The church needs to see a non-anxious presence. And, and that, again, that doesn't mean that we won't feel burdened. Of course, we, we have all the same human experiences. Yes, we're going to feel those things. Yes, we're going to have anxious times. But it means that we know and we show the world where we can take those burdens. That we're bringing our burdens to the foot of the cross. We're casting our burdens upon God and we're receiving peace in the place of despair. We're receiving hope in the place of hopelessness. And we're receiving new life. Even when we just feel feel lifeless and dry. And so this is this is what we are showing the world that we can be a people of peace in a culture of fear, that the world might see something different in the church. This is part of living as a faithful exile, that we could show the world what it looks like to be a non-anxious presence. The world does not need to see a whole lot of angry Christians right now who, who just experience outrage. No, we don't need more of that. The world does not need to see a whole lot of despairing Christians right now. The world needs to see Christians who are filled with the peace of the Holy Spirit and can be steady and can be calm and can be grounded and centered in the grace of God. Yes, that means we are still going to be responsible when it comes to COVID. We are not going to be reckless, but it means that ultimately we are drawing our strength and our peace in the midst of the storm from Jesus Christ, and we are learning the rhythm of casting our burdens upon him. So as we finish this morning, I want to read out the words of a poem to you. There's a poem by a woman named Audrey Main, and it gathers up so much of what this promise is, is saying. And uh, I want to encourage you just to receive this this morning and just hear God speaking over you that invitation to bring your burdens to him and cast them over his shoulders. Be not troubled with thoughts of tomorrow, of duties you surely must do. On the Lord cast your burden of sorrow. It matters to him about you. Be not weary when trials are given, but trust him to carry you through. He will make all a pathway to heaven. It matters to him about you. Then be patient until his appearing. Tis dawn almost now on your view, for the mists of this dark age are clearing. In love, he is planning for you. Let's pray. Oh God, you know that we do live in this world that feels a lot like Babylon at times. Lord, it feels like a hostile culture. It feels like a dark world a lot of the time. It feels chaotic at the moment, and Lord, at times we, we feel the same anxiety the rest of the world feels. But we just thank you, Lord, this morning from the depth of our hearts that you've invited us to bring our burdens to you. And we want to do that, Lord, even now as I'm praying. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would just lead us, lead us and prompt us to bring those things that are wearying us, that are burdening us, that are exhausting us, that are frustrating us that are just stressing us out right now, Lord, the things that are making us angry, 
the things that are just robbing us of life. God, the things that are robbing us of joy. You know those things in the life of every person who is watching this. Every person listening to this message. And God, I just pray you draw out of them those burdens this morning. If they're unwilling to bring them to you, God, would you just get inside their heart and reach in there and just bring those burdens out and remind them and say to them, you can, you can leave those burdens with me. You are the God who carries our burdens and you invite us so freely to surrender everything that we're going through, everything that we're feeling, everything that we are to you. And so we do that today, God, and we thank you that we do that at your invitation. We thank you we do that because of what you have done for us on the cross. Lord, help us in our own lives and as we face outwards towards the world to be people of peace, a non-anxious presence in the midst of this world, that we might be the light in the darkness that the world desperately needs to hear, and especially at this moment. Lord God, we rely on your Holy Spirit. We just draw again from your power, and we thank you so much for your love and your grace, which brings freedom into our lives. We give ourselves to you. We place ourselves and our church back into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.